When in doubt, throw it out. That's my standard response when asked whether something should be saved or not by those cleaning out classrooms and closets in the church. I'm not a saver. And my dad was. He saved everything. Uh, Our home never looked like those featured in Hoarders. You know, Mom wouldn't allow that. But Dad's shop certainly did. Now, I admit that I've swung the pendulum too far in the opposite direction. And I've proven Dad right uh, more often than I'd like to admit after discovering a need for something I've thrown out. It's not his fault. He warned me of the risks of throwing things away. And in our text for today, the author of Hebrews warns us not to throw away the most valuable thing we possess. The original recipients of the letter, you may recall, were being tempted to give up their faith in Jesus because they weren't sure keeping it was worth what it was costing them. They were being discriminated against and even persecuted for the faith. And as a result, some were giving it up. They were throwing it all away. So the author of Hebrews explained in great clarity the value of what they had in Christ. And he warned them what would happen if they insulted his grace and walked away from the gift they'd been given, if they understood what Jesus had done for them and still chose to turn their back on him, in effect, spitting on his sacrifice, they faced the certain, terrifying expectation of judgment in the hands of the living God and the loss of what they had already given up much to possess. So he followed up one of the most severe warnings Christians find in Scripture, addressed to them with an appeal for them to remember, for them to look back. We're studying in Hebrews. We're in the 10th chapter. Ready for verses 32 through 34. But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Now, it may seem strange that the author begins by telling the Hebrews to remember what they'd already been through. They were considering giving up their faith because it had and was costing them too much. Still, he challenged them to remember back to the former days, the days right after they became Christians, when they first saw the light. They had found something 
that really made sense of life. They could see how everything fit together. They could see the big picture. Yet in spite of that, they soon found themselves in a great conflict of suffering. They were made public spectacles. People laughed at their newly found faith and ridiculed them for it. You know, they had gotten religion and their old friends didn't understand. They were made the butts of jokes and innuendos. The old crowd thought their new crowd was weird and told them so. But he said, you put up with all that. You understood who you were and what the future held for you. <coughs> so the hassles didn't really bother you. You were willing to give up the things that had once been important to you. You didn't hesitate to identify with believers who were thrown in jail for the faith. You were willing to give up financial security to help brothers and sisters in need. And you did so joyfully because you knew you had a better possession, one that no man could take away from you, one that would last forever. And now, you want to throw it all away? I don't think so. I don't think so. You knew what it was worth then, and you still do. You're just tired. You're just tired. You know, it may not have seemed like it at first, but the author was actually stirring up good memories. He wasn't stirring up bad ones. Sure, they had been through some tough times, but those were times of victory. They had endured. Their faith had been strong, and they had made it. They could do it again. All they needed to do was rekindle the fires of faith. They needed to recapture the excitement they had had when their faith was new. The problems they were facing now weren't any tougher than the ones they had faced before. In fact, they were probably not even as tough. The difference was that their faith had lost its cutting edge. It had grown dull. They had been Christians for so long that they had forgotten what their life was like before they had been Christians. And by reminding them of what they had willingly, even joyfully endured shortly after becoming Christians, they were brought back to the realization of what their life in Christ had been worth to them when their old life was still fresh in their minds. It had been worth whatever it cost. And it was still worth it. They just needed to be reminded of its value. You know, I think that's a good move for us to make when we start getting down, when we begin to question whether or not our faith is really worth it. We need to look back. We need to remember how valuable our faith had initially been to us, how nothing had been more important to us than remaining faithful to our Lord. 
and how that that attitude had given us victory over the most difficult times of testing. Yes, it's good to look back on those early days of victory because they can give us strength for today. We did it once, so we can do it again. Our Lord hasn't changed. He still gives us victory if we'll just keep trusting Him. So let's look back. And then let's look ahead. Verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Don't throw away your confidence in Christ. Hang on to it. For it has great reward. We must never forget that. When we're trudging through the tough times, we can never allow ourselves to forget what lies ahead. We're just passing through this life. We are headed somewhere. Let's not forget it. Now, no doubt the original recipients of this letter often found themselves bogged down in the day-to-day drudgeries of life, just as we do. And then when the discriminations and persecutions that resulted from their faith were added to the natural heartaches of life, they felt overwhelmed. They were ready to give it up. But the author says, don't forget to look ahead. Remember the goal toward which you are working. Remember the reward that will be yours. What you see now is not what you'll get. You'll get something much more if you will just hang in there. Like a woman in labor, we need to keep in mind that our present condition won't last forever. And we need to be reminded that the times of pain and hurt, if properly handled, will help us get to our goal. In the days before epidurals, expectant couples took Lamaze classes to help get through the expected pain of childbirth. I still remember how our instructor stressed the fact that labor pains really shouldn't be called pains. They were contractions designed to push the baby into position and then to expel him or her into this world. Now, I really caught on to that fact. And I felt it was my primary purpose in labor to keep reminding Marilyn that what she was feeling weren't pains. They were contractions. And when I would see an especially big one on the monitor, I would say something to the effect, boy, that was a good one. You really accomplished something that time. Well, Marilyn didn't always appreciate my objectivity in those moments, 
and occasionally said so uh, emphatically. <laughs> but I think she will admit that by trying to keep her mind on what was coming and how much closer she was getting to her goal, I did help get her through what was taking place. <laughs> well, that's what our author is telling us to do when he encourages us to look ahead. We have a great reward coming if we don't throw it away. And we should never forget that it is God's will that we be here facing a time of testing. You know, I do not believe that everything that happens to us is God's will for us. I hate that. When someone says, well, that's God's will. No. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And we reap the results of sin all around us. But it's still God's will that we be here facing these trials and seeing for ourselves the horrors of sin and rebellion against God in this life. He wants us to experience these things now so we won't have to experience them for all eternity. He wants us to know how things are apart from Him. So we will be absolutely convinced about the decision we made to accept His offer of eternal life in heaven. And our being with Him for all eternity is what was promised. If we'll just hang on to our faith and keep trusting Him to see us through this life and into the next. So we need to look back and we need to look ahead. But what if we really have a hard time looking back because it seems so far back? And we find it difficult to look ahead because it seems so far distant, especially when we're hurting now. Well, there's a third step. Look up. Verses 37 to 39. For yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. The author is here quoting loosely from Habakkuk to remind us that Christ is coming back real soon. For yet in a very little while, Jesus is coming back. Now, some might object. It's been nearly 2,000 years since he quoted that, and Christ hasn't returned yet. But just think how much closer it is to his return now than it was then. And never forget that with the Lord, a thousand years is but a day and a day a thousand years. So it's only been a couple days when viewed from eternity. 
Besides, he in effect comes for us at the moment of our death. So even if he doesn't come for everyone today, he could still come for you. So when you get discouraged, remember to look up. Remember he's coming back soon. Now, doing so will make our trials more endurable because we know they could very well be over in an instant. And wouldn't we feel stupid if we gave up one second before the Lord returned? So hang in there. You don't know how long you're going to have to endure. So hang on. You may only need to endure a moment longer. So don't give up. And even if he doesn't come back in the next moment, remember he knows what's going on. He sees us. He knows what we're going through and how we're doing. And it certainly doesn't give him pleasure to see us shrinking back from faith in him. He has made us righteous through the sacrifice of his son. He has filled us with his enabling Holy Spirit. And he has given us every reason to trust him and to live by faith in him. So we need to keep in mind that he is right here watching how we respond to whatever he allows to happen to us. And that, too, will help us remain faithful to him. Now, kids are more apt to do what we want when they know we're watching. And we are more apt to do what our Lord wants when we know he's watching. So look up and be reminded that he is there watching and waiting for just the right moment to return. That will help you hang on. So look back and be reminded of your victories. Look ahead to your reward, and look up to see your Lord. If we will do that consistently, we can be assured that we will not shrink back to destruction. We will not throw it all away. We will not lose the promise of eternal life. But we will be of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We will remain faithful unto death, and we will receive the crown of life. The key to it all is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Looking back at what he's done for us and brought us through, looking ahead to what he has promised, and looking up with expectation of his return. You won't throw it all away if you turn your eyes 
upon Jesus. And if you've not done so, I invite you to come and make known your desire to keep your eyes on Jesus for the rest of your life.